I'm J.R. Butler, co-founder of The Shift Group, and you're listening to Merchants of Change. This is a podcast about transferring the skills and behaviors we acquire as athletes into being a professional technology salesperson. Each week, we'll introduce you to a top performer who will help us understand how they became professional merchants of change. What's up, kid? How you doing, Haley? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Sorry, I should have warned you. I start every call with that. <laughs> uh, so, super pumped. We got Haley, originally from Rockville, Maryland, former BC Eagle, and no big deal, Olymp- Olympic gold medal winner uh, from Pyongyang Chang, which I can proudly say I was at that game, Haley. I don't know if you, did I already tell you that? Uh, I think so. Your brother was on the men's team, right? Yep. That's right. That's the right. The whole Butler so fam was there. But the whole fam, we were at the, uh, the check house that night singing, yep. we are the champions. I got video to prove it. So, <laughs> um, and, and, uh, my, my high school teammate slash, uh, prom date was the captain, Megan Duggan. So oh, yeah, that's right. So I got to wear, she let me wear a gold medal for like 20 minutes. It was like the highlight of my athletic career. So that's um, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, speaking of highlights, you, you had an unbelievable career um, at BC. Tom made the joke. It could be 10 pages, single space, but all American, <laughs> all American senior year, second in the nation senior year with 79 points. 35 goals, unbelievable, uh, second in career points with 244 and two beanpot titles. Unbelievable. Um, just an unbelievable, insane career. What like, I, you know, I love asking folks with your, your hockey resume, this question, what's your, what's your favorite memory of playing hockey? When I, I mean, there are a few, I guess, like my favorite memories, honestly, are like the really, really early days, like kind of just getting started playing out in the driveway with my brother because it kind of just reminds you of like where it all started and those were just those raw moments and then you know everything in between I you know winning those bean pots are obviously super fun when we won uh in overtime to get to the NCAA national championship for the first time which you know that final game wasn't the result we were looking for but to do that for the first time in program history was pretty awesome and then obviously like you said the Olympics Nothing really tops that. It's your lifelong dream. And to be able to share that with our friends and family in South Korea was obviously probably takes the cake of my, my favorite hockey memory for sure. Oh, uh, that was incredible. Like just being there as part of like Team USA contingent with all the other family members, like you guys were on cloud nine for like the next four days. It was just the coolest thing ever. It was um, pretty surreal. Yeah. Yeah. What, like, how, obviously you're a sniper, um, but like, how would you describe your game? Like, what kind of player were you? Uh, I was a pretty, like, super offensive minded player. Like, if you're trying to hold a lead or kill a penalty, I'm probably not the person you put out on the ice. Um, but that was, that was kind of my style. Like, not super strong or fast or not the flashiest, but I, I don't know. I like to think that I, could see the ice pretty well, was skilled, and I was just always trying to find ways to score goals. That was always like the greatest feeling for me was scoring a goal. So that was, uh, that was kind of my style. <laughs> yep. I grew up with a goal scorer in the house. So I know how you, how you folks operate. 
Um, <laughs> what, one thing that I did notice though, like as my brother progressed in his career from like club hockey to college to, you know, the professionals and, and Olympics, like there were things that he did to alter his approach to the game. Were there things that as you moved up from club hockey to, you know, Chestnut Hill, you know, to, to the Olympic team, how, how did you kind of alter your approach to the game as you matured in your career? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like a completely different game from the college level to national team to moving to like Team USA. The pace, you know, the strength of all the players, but also just the the tenacity, the attention to detail, everything is heightened. And you have the best player on every college team, the best player on every pro team, all trying to, you know, you're making that 25 spot roster. So there are a bunch of little things you have to change in your game. I mean, I couldn't, I had to be defensive minded. I had to be, my awareness all over the ice had to be increased, but there's really no margin for error. error. Like we always say like the devil's in the details at that level. And then off the ice as well. I mean, everyone is super talented, super skilled, the best player. Like any one of those players at those training camps and evaluation camps are good enough to make the team. So me personally, someone who, you know, I'm not a superstar on the team. I've kind of had to grind my way to get to that roster. It was like, how do I set myself apart off the ice as well to kind of like stand out, whether that's, you know, just being a better teammate, just being um, like doing all those little things off the ice as well, just to to put myself out there um, and set myself apart. Yeah, that that's I mean, that stuff matters, especially when you travel across the world to go compete against, you know, the best in the world. Like you've got to you need gel people. You need everyone has a role on the team, and being a good teammate is is so important. Um, I'm curious to know, like I, I don't, I maybe I'm, you know, I don't know a lot, but like even playing growing up in men's men's hockey, Maryland isn't somewhere I think of like right off the top of my head as like a hockey hotbed. Obviously, unbelievable lacrosse, you know, field hockey, things like that, but. Um, coming from Maryland, like who were some of your like biggest mentors in the, in your hockey days? And that can go all the way from, you know, growing up all through college and, and into the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, especially when I was starting to play hockey, Maryland was definitely not a hotbed at all. I mean, Alex Ovechkin got drafted in 04. So I was really lucky. I got to follow as I grew up his whole career, which was pretty, I mean, still is pretty spectacular. Yeah. I started literally playing roller hockey on the driveway with my brother and his friends. Like that's how I got started. And so he was a huge mentor in my life. I mean, he probably didn't even know it at the time and neither did I, but I always wanted to do whatever he did. And he really challenged me, not intentionally, but just, you know, not wanting me to play with them. You have to be good enough. It was just that really, I think, got me to be tough enough to make it to that next level. And just my, I mean, my high school coach, Kush Sidhu, he was, um, all four years I played for the Washington Pride U19 team and we played in a super competitive league. We weren't always the best team, but he was, uh, I mean, those are really crucial years of my career and my life as well. And he just built this super strong system and culture within our team, especially, you know, we're not the most talented. We're not the most skilled, but he taught us like, this is how you can be successful at the next level, not even just with hockey, but with the academic side, just the the whole balance of your life. Like th these are the things that are super important right now. And if you can nail these, like you'll find success in whatever it is in your life, not even just hockey. 
And I like still carry so many of those lessons um, that he taught me throughout all four of those years. Um, we're still super close. Like he was at the Olympics too, actually. He flew in for a day. Um, so he is, yeah, he was a huge mentor in my, in my life and hockey career. What a champ. That's like an 18 hour flight. He was there for a day. That's, that's unreal. I remember he landed, he texted me. He's like, I have no idea where I am. Like, where's your family? I was like, I have no idea where my family is. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They didn't exactly make it easy to get around over there. <laughs> no, no, they did not. <laughs> I, I love, I love that answer because of a couple of reasons. One, my, my father was a high school hockey coach for 35 years. And, and now I, for, since I stopped playing hockey, when I retired, I got right into coaching and I focused on U16 and U18, not because I like enjoy those ages from a hockey perspective, but that is like really when boys become men and girls become women. And like, that's really like that. Those years are so foundational to who you become as people and like sports, athletics, hockey is such a good vehicle to start building that foundation of like great habits and like just being a good person. So that's really cool that he had such an impact on your life. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's been huge. Um, especially, I mean, when I started playing on that team, I was like 13, 14 years old. And when I stopped, I was like 18, like that's a lot of years. And I was a completely different person, different teammate. Um, and my teammates could probably tell you that, um, from the beginning to the end. So I really do attribute a lot of that to just like his um, mentorship. Yeah, it's, it's, listen, I, I think we, we all mature as teammates as we grow up. Um, like, do you have any favorite teammates from your playing days and, and why were they your favorites? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it is hard to choose just one. I can kind of, I can name a couple. Um, like Alex Carpenter is one of them. I played with her pretty much all throughout my college career. And we started playing together on the U18 national team when we were like 14, 15 years old. Just like, you know, I didn't realize how special of a player she is until and like how much I loved playing with her until I wasn't playing with her anymore because she just made the game so much easier. She was just like, it, she, she just opened your eyes to all these different, she was just a super special player. Things you saw in practice, you just didn't see every day. Um, and I don't know, we just, I feel like we worked pretty well together and she just taught me a lot about, um, like the little things, you know, in practice, she would get out there. She's always the first one on, the last one off. She's just one of those types of players who just lives and breathes the game and. I just, I, I don't know, I learned a lot from her on the ice. Um, so just as a player, she was one of my favorites. Dana Trevino is also one of my BC teammates in Team USA. Um, she's one of my best friends now and one of my roommates. We're very similar, but also different, I would say. And I've um, like complete opposite players. Like she was center, very defensive, discipline, um, you know, spent a lot of time in the penalty box, but it was uh, a lot of fun playing with her. Like we just, I don't know. She's one of my best friends, and I feel like that's a testament to that. And then Hannah Brandt's probably another one, um, University of Minnesota and Team USA. And she's just, she never takes like anything too seriously. And I think that's what makes her a really good player is she just has always owned every role she's been in and um, like just makes it, makes it really fun. And every team needs that. So that's like kind of what each of them bring to like three very different aspects. And 
I appreciate all three of them very differently, but equally. <laughs> and they're obviously more, but yeah, that, that is awesome. Um, how would they describe you? You think? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> probably sometimes like maybe a little too competitive. Like, uh, they'd probably tell you, you know, she can be unhealthily competitive, but at the same time, like you can make fun of her for it. And she has a pretty good sense of humor. So she'll be able to, you know, take it and, and roll with it. Um, so that's probably like, they'd probably tell you, you know, sometimes practices she'll, she'll be that person to like make a sly comment that might, you know, set the coach off. But <laughs> at the end of the day, like, you know, it's all, it's all fun, right? Uh, something tells me that goes <laughs> back to the driveway with your brother, that, that competitive edge that you have. Um, that's yeah. Fun. It's like survival of the fittest out there. hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, one of my one of my favorite things I read I, I read a lot about it I, I try to understand it especially now that I'm a, a CEO and building a company is organizational excellence um, you know I think anytime you can be part of programs like Boston College and the U.S. Women's National Program for ice hockey you're 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 in a special place with like storied history and just the programs that run themselves that run so well like what was it like being around such high caliber people how did that impact you yeah i mean you read i mean you read that the your environment and the people you surround yourself with really do kind of shape who you are and i am a strong believer in that especially after being around yeah my bc teammates team usa like day in and day out like i said earlier it's just like the difference at those levels is just every single rep, every, it's not even just every single game, every practice, it's every single shift, every single rep, like every movement is down to the exact detail. And that's something that I had to really kind of learn and not learn just to do, to do it, but really embody that whole, like, if you want to get better, like each rep, each, everything has to be perfect. And that's really what I saw every single day. Um, with those Olympians, the first, training camp I remember I, I went to, it was just such a, you know, like enlightening experience being like, wow, like this is super motivating because, you know, I feel like it's, it's tangible. My like dream is kind of there, but now I see exactly what it takes because these people are on a whole new level of, you know, discipline, um, driven. It's like, you say these words, but they're like out there doing it every single day. That's so cool to hear. Cause that's like, that's a leadership down kind of like culture thing. And, and it's just cool to hear that. Cause like I grew up with, you know, Megan Duggan and Casey Bellamy went to college with my brother, like, yeah. like knowing that those leaders were, were and, and the coaches built that type of culture is it's so cool, but it teaches you so much um, that I'm sure, you know, kind of a good, a good time to talk about the transition. I'm sure it's shown up in your transition. So you, you go, to South Korea, you win an Olympic gold, you're playing pro hockey, and then boom, here's Zoom info, salesforce.com and a phone, and you're a and you're <laughs> you're a BDR, right? <laughs> like how jarring is that lifestyle change coming from where you came from? Yeah. I mean, not gonna lie, it was uh it was pretty jarring. Like just starting like you said, I mean, you're on Team USA, you're playing the Olympics. After that, I was playing pro and then I worked for the Caps in, uh, for a little bit. That's where I'm from. So I worked for them and then like, COVID happened. So it did give me an opportunity to, to step outside of my comfort zone and see, all right, if I'm going to try to do something outside of sports, 
this will be the time. And I knew, you know, I have no work experience outside of this one year working with the Caps and playing hockey, which that's not real work experience. So I knew wherever I was going to start, I was going to start from square one. And so it was just like accepting that it wasn't like, all right, let's see where I can cut corners. Um, it was like, I just need to rely on all everything that I've done, like in the past, like those qualities that got me there to like help push me forward in this career. But the transition itself was obviously, yeah, I mean, there's so many times I'm, I think I probably said to my mom or dad, I'm like, I'm just like starting at the bottom of the totem pole here. Like all that, it feels like all that I did was just like a different life, basically. Um, so it was like getting over that mental hurdle to be like, all right, I'm building something new here. Basically, it was like that mindset shift. Yeah. What, what would you say? We, by the way, we help a lot of athletes that are in, that, that are listening to this that are in the same boat. And I think it's always good to hear from other people that have been through it. Like, what do you think was the, the hardest part about it? Um, honestly, I would probably say like just that, that mindset, like, you know, I probably retired from hockey at 25, 26. So, I mean, you're graduating from school, similar age and you have to, you're starting over, you know, I mean, yes, you are the same person. You have all these same qualities. You're going to be successful, but it's like telling yourself that, you know, it's not going to be easy at the beginning. Like a, you have to figure out what you want to do, what you see yourself wanting to like build and then getting the tools to actually do it. And it's, it can be like a, a daunting thought to be like, is this the right fit? Is this, you know, where I want to be? Is this going to pay off type thing? And like putting all of your eggs in a completely different basket. That was like the biggest challenge for me was just like taking that step and just doing it. Um, and like being like, all right, this is the best fit. I've done my research. I know this is where I want to be. Now I actually have to like, you know, use all these, um, you know, qualities that have gotten me to the highest level at something else to, to build something new. A hundred percent. What, why? So you did, it sounds like you did some work. So why, why <laughs> sales? Like, why did you end up in sales in software and at Clavio? Like, like what was the process there? Yeah, it was, I always tell people it was pretty much a full-time job finding my full-time job. Basically, I, I knew <laughs> like I went on, I remember I went on vacation with my family and afterwards I made that like the, the due date of like when I get back from vacation, like I'm going to start completely talking to everyone I know, researching every single industry, kind of narrowing it down from there. So I casted a super wide net from any industry of, you know, investment banking, which I knew I wasn't going to like, but I mean, who knows? I didn't think I was going to get into sales at all ever. Like it was never on my radar, but that's why you have to do your research because as I was just talking to people in different industries, former teammates, friends, family, friends, I heard of Clavio through a hockey connection, obviously. And the more I, I ended up narrowing it down to tech and sales because just the more I was talking to people and realizing, all right, this, I feel like this is the, the best way for me if, with my current like qualities of just super competitive, super fast paced. Like you can kind of create your own success in this industry, which I liked. Um, it's like really what you put into it. And I found Clavio. I like instantly was just finding myself really curious to learn more about the company, about I understood its product and its mission, like the people in the culture were super strong and knew some people already worked there, which always helps me in making a decision process that like kind of comfort level. 
and knowing I could ask questions at any point to people I already knew. And that's kind of how I narrowed it down. And throughout the interview process, I was going through a different couple different ones. That's when it really solidified to me, like, this is where I want to be because I could see myself just naturally, you know, Googling more about the company, you know, you have a mock interview and I was so dialed into it, probably way too much, like probably spent way too much time on this. And I was like, that's probably my sign that this is where I should be because I actually genuinely care about it. And this isn't even a real sales call. It's a mock call. So that's kind of how I um, narrow it down. But it's really, it's so much, it was a lot of work, but it really paid off. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta trust your instincts. And I think you, you know, when you know, right? Like, yeah, it sounds like you had that passion for them right away. Um, we're, we're really fortunate. I'm, I'm, uh, <clears throat> probably to a little bit of a fault. Like I, when I was a, a VP of sales at one point, the best year I ever had, actually, I had a full team of female sellers and it was the best year I ever had. And that is definitely not a coincidence. So. One of the things I love about our business that we run now is close to 50% of our candidates are women um, that were, you know, former athletes like yourself, um, a lot at the college level, some at the Olympic level. Um, what guidance and advice would you give to other women that are listening to this that are going through the transition period from sports to entering the more traditional workforce? Um, beyond, like you said, like, hey, just just suck it up and realize that you're going to carry the water bottles again, right? Like that's, <laughs> I, I love that, by the way. And I, we tell people that all the time. Um, like I'm sure they didn't care about how many goals you had at BC in the interview, right? So it's no. like, you know, but like what what is some of the guidance, some of the advice that you would give to, you know, the, the females, the shift group candidates and others out there that are listening to this that are going to be making the same tradition, uh, the same transition, excuse me, that you did. I would say it's, it's a lot of just relying on what got you to like where you were previously, you know, like as an athlete, like you were super successful and got to the level that you're at for a reason. It's not like you have to change who you are. That's like my biggest advice is like throughout the whole process, I never felt that I had to change like who I was. Like that's kind of what got me there. So it was more so finding a fit that was, you know, catered to, to me and like my characteristics characteristics, which is why I found tech sales, because, you know, I'm someone who I am super like progressive, wanting to learn more, wanting to move fast. Like, you know, that's like who I am. So it's finding, finding like, what is the best fit for you and not changing who you are. And also asking a ton of questions, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to someone who you don't know or asking questions you don't think are good questions. Just, you know, you're, you're kind of starting something new. So just don't have any regrets with what you're doing. Cause you know, at the end of the day, no one really knows what they're doing. So just <laughs> figuring out, you know, what works best for you and not second, second guessing your own process and your thoughts. Like you got to a successful level in sports, you will do that in your next endeavor. Just, you know, trust that and your process and then also enjoy it because, you know, this is, that's the, at the end of the day, like you want this whole process to be an enjoyable process for you. It shouldn't have to feel like a huge chore or job. Like I found it to be a fun challenge, honestly. Like let's see all these different companies are out there. It's like all these cool opportunities and it's just finding what's the best fit for you. Yeah. I love that. I, we, we have a, we have a whole course called be an athlete because that's what we tell them. We're like, listen, 
just because you're not lacing them up anymore or going <laughs> or getting in the pool or whatever your sport was, you need to bring everything you brought to that game to get to the level you did to this one. And if you do that, you will be successful. Um, is there anything you would do differently now that you're like, you're kind of a couple years out from it? To be honest, I don't think so. Like, I, I don't think I would. Like, I love the decision that I made. And I don't know, maybe like my just going through any big decision process I've made, I've always felt the need to just be super. I always wanted to avoid any regret. So I would try and think ahead and be like, what, you know, what would I regret about this decision from like my college decision? I remember I was choosing between two travel soccer teams in middle school that felt like a life altering decision at the time. And I would, you know, talk to people on each team. Like I always wanted to make sure I was doing my due diligence. And I don't, my dad is like probably one of the most well researched, thorough people I know. So maybe just naturally I, I got that from him. But I, yeah, throughout this process, I really tried to cross my T's and dot my I's and make sure that I wasn't, um, you know, wasn't going to have any regrets. And, and right now, honestly, I don't think I, I would change, um, anything with my process of where I am today. I love that. That's awesome. Um, now speaking of where you are today, so we talk a lot with every guest we have, um, about getting the most out of the BDR role. Cause you know, everybody starts there. I started there, you know, it was a long time ago. You, you already aged me when you said you grew up watching, um, watching Ovi because he's my age. That just made me feel really old, but besides <laughs> the point. Um, <laughs> but we, we all start there, but we all go into that with the idea of, uh, I want to transition to a closing role. Um, you did it in that first, like actually in the first 18 months, like, which is, if you can do that, it's unbelievable. Um, and I think that's like the gold standard. So obviously whatever you did was right. So t can you talk a little bit about How'd you, how'd you approach the BDR role and what advice would you give to people looking to get off to the same fast start that you have? For sure. Well, first I think obviously everyone's process is different and what works best for them. Like even other really successful BDRs that ended up also transitioning to a closing role soon, their process was just talking with them and other people was very different than mine. So there are different models of it. Mine personally was I mean, I started, um, you know, I hit the ground running pretty quickly. Like week three, they, I was calling like cold calling enterprise brands, still was trying to like learn the product. So I loved that because the best way I learn is to just do it and to fail, you know, in the moment, figure out what went wrong and learn from that. For me personally, like in the BDR role, it's a lot of just you know, over preparation, you know, really leaning on people who do the role well and people who do those closing roles well. Like I'm always asking questions to people, not even on my team, but outside of my team, outside of even sales, even at the company, seeing like who is successful, asking them what makes them successful, what's going well, what they haven't seen success in. Um, so that like brings the curiosity element to it. Like we always talk about at our companies, just like always being curious because that's how you're going to learn more. That's how you're going to get like you know, more advanced in your current role. And then it's also just like the combination of like quality and pace. Like you want high quality, but also high pace, like being a BDR. That's, that's really like the, the recipe for me was like finding what that exact balance was between, you know, it's like 
personalization at scale, basically. Like you want to make sure you are sourcing and, you know, getting all that content out there quickly, but you want it to be really good. So it's like, how do you, how do you scale that approach? Um, but also like when it comes to that closing role as well, it's like finding like when that is the best fit for you. I, I had an opportunity to, you know, apply for a closing role sooner and I, I, didn't like accept that. I didn't go for that interview because I didn't feel like I was the most prepared for it, honestly. And I didn't want to like go through that and then either be in the role and just not feel like I was fully prepared for it. So it also is like figuring out what is the best for you. And I'm really glad that I, you know, waited a month or two at the end of the day, like what is a month or two? Like people are just racing to get to that role, but it's like, okay, put yourself in your shoes in that role. Like if you aren't fully prepared for it, like you, you know, you're better off just like making sure you have mastered your current role and also have almost mastered the next role when you're ready to go ahead and move forward with that. So that was kind of my process in general of how it worked. But yeah, it's been a journey for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's such good advice though. I love that. I I hope we we clip that one because that was so good. Um, I'm actually, this is a, I'm I'm excited to a- ask this question because now you're in an AE role. You spent, you know, a year and six months as a BDR. Um, a topic that we like to get in into is like effective ways that that relationship works, the BDR and the AE. Um, what what do you have tactical advice for the folks that are listening that are currently BDRs working with AEs for the first time, but also for AEs, new AEs that are first partnering with their BDR for the first time. Just like what that dynamic is like. Yeah. Like what, what's good look like in your, in your opinion? Yeah. It's, and now that I have, I've worked as a BDR with an AE and now I've worked with, you know, a BDR as an AE. Yeah. It's honestly like, and my account executive that I was paired with as a BDR, I'm super good friends with him now. Like he was, I mean, he was a really top performer, super, super good at his job, very thorough, but he also took the time to help me, like knowing this is my first role to help my career. He was always asking, going out of his way, being like, Hey, like, how can I help you career wise? Um, which I mean, we were, a, I know some BDRs, it's like multiple BDRs to one AE. We were like a one to one. So we just had by the end of it, I mean, I almost like we didn't want, I didn't want to move up to be an AE because I, loved the system we have. Like, that's just who I am. I was like, I can't do anything in moderation. Like we just went full all in and we just had like a super, um, like solid system that worked for us. And I know others, they just, you know, it was like, all right, we'll flip this to you. There wasn't really much communication, but we were like, all right, if we're going to do this, like, let's figure out exactly what accounts we're working together, which ones are you know, solely you, solely mine. It's like, it, it's all different, but we really tried to develop a, a really strong system. And now that I am an AE, like working with my BDR, it, a lot of those things that he taught me, like for sure translated. And I want to make sure, you know, I'm, I'm looking out for the, the BDRs because it is a super hard role. Um, and so you appreciate those things, um, as a, a BDR now that you're an AE, you really, you want to reciprocate that for sure. Totally. I mean, listen, sales is hard in general, but but there's a it's a different kind of hard being a BDR. It really is. It's there's not there's not a lot of payoff. You really have to be a unique type of personality to to just come show up every day with the same conviction and vigor that you had the day before. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Um, what do you think? Like, 
you talked a lot about your habits and skills that you that made you a great hockey player. What do you think has helped you the most in your sales career so far? Um, for sure, like one huge thing which ties into the BDR element is resilience. Like, because so many times, and at the beginning, being a BDR, I felt like I really needed to channel this more. He's like, you're going to be told no so many times. You're going to be, people are going to say horrible things to you. You know, like that's just the nature of it. And it's, you just have to be able to find an opportunity in that to either keep going or, you know, move on to the next, the next lead, basically. Like, and that's a huge thing that has for sure, um, I've seen translate as well as just overall. I mean, it kind of ties into that being super competitive. I mean, you, you see it with the people who are really successful. They're just relentless um, and they don't stop. They're super persistent, but not in a way that's, you know, super salesy. It's just they find they're creative, they're, um, you know, strategic. That's a huge part of it, too. But I think um, like being coachable, you know, you're always going to have someone who's, you know, an AE, a manager, a director, someone who is you are reporting to or they're technically, you know, in charge, a coach type thing. And that really translates from sports as well, because, you know, there's that accountability piece. I'm someone like I tell a manager, anyone, just tell me exactly, be, just be honest. Like, don't try and beat around the bush. Like, I want to know exactly what I'm doing wrong so I can learn and improve from that quicker. Like, that's always what I say. I don't need anything to be sugarcoated. Um, I want to be coached. Be as transparent as you like. The more transparency, the better. And then it's also like the like collaboration piece. So like with hockey, especially you're trying to make an Olympic team. You're playing on the same team as people you are competing with for a spot. And that's kind of it for sales too. Like your team, yes, you are a team. You're all working together, but you're also technically kind of competing. So for me, I more lean on the like collaboration aspect because at the end of the day, we're all working towards a common goal. Like we are a part of something that is bigger than us. So if you can kind of channel that and wrap your head around that to embody that every day, like you'll find your own success as well. But it's like, you know, you're working together towards this common goal. So that whole like teamwork element is always huge for me as well. That's always um, transferred. For the record, for everyone listening, Haley is not reading off our website, but Haley just named the number, the, the top four reasons why I tell people that they should hire athletes, resiliency, competitiveness, coachability, and collaboration. And that uh, to me, the the teammate you compete against is like the it's such it's so translatable from sports. My my freshman year, my roommate was a defenseman, and as you know, I'm a defenseman, and there's only so much ice time, right? Right. So we get into practice. He's got his head down, coming through center ice. I'm putting a shoulder in his chin a hundred percent of the time, but then I will do anything for him on the walk down to back to the dorm if somebody tried to step up to him, like he's still one of my best friends in the world, but we competed every day. Sales is so much like that. You want to be the number one person on the metric board, but you want your, your teammates to be right behind you and doing well, right? Like you don't hope for failure for anybody and you'll help them even though you're competing with them. It's such a great, like, like translatable thing from sports to sales that I don't, people don't, I don't think quite appreciate. Yeah. And you know, exactly like when someone nails that on your work team or someone, I can just know I'm like that person for sure, like played sports at probably a somewhat high level. Cause they just, they just get it, you know, like they check in on you. They're like asking how they can help. They offer to help, but they're also really good at their yeah. job. Yeah. 
I, I hope actually also there's some managers listening to this because we, we get calls sometimes from the people that hire from us like, you know, JR, any advice on, on how to manage these people? And I tell them exactly what you said. I go, listen, this isn't your standard Gen Z millennial, like keep your gloves on and like deliver everything with honey on it. Like these are athletes. <laughs> you need to tell them exactly what they're doing wrong. They've been, they've grown up getting constructive criticism and feedback their entire life. If you're too soft with them, they won't get the message. Like, don't be afraid to just tell them what they're doing wrong because they're going to get it and they're not going to take it personally and they're still going to have confidence. Because if, if you can't take feedback and you let constructive criticism hurt your confidence as an athlete, you're done. You're never going to make it to yeah. the level you did. You know what I mean? And it's huge that you brought that into the business world. Yeah, it's definitely helped me for sure a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Have you have you um have you gotten to 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 develop any mentors in your new career, uh, Haley at all? Um, like, do I have any mentors? You're asking. Yeah, like like in in the business world in sales, like, do you have any valuable mentors that you've developed so far? Yeah, for sure. I mean, my first account executive, he is a huge mentor. Like, he's probably the biggest one right now. Um, and like I said, it was just like the piece of you know, the BDR AE relationship, like at no point was he, I don't know, like he, it was like, we were working together. He wasn't working above me. There was no, it was, we have this common goal. Like this is what we're doing. And then he just being one of our like top account executives in the whole company, he would still go out of his way to just see, okay, like, what do you want to learn today? Like, is there anything like we would have a weekly one-on-one -on -one outside of our one-on-one -on -one just to go through career stuff. So when I was trying to you know, practice demoing platform things just for career development. He was the one that I would always turn to because, you know, he was, I just always knew he would be there for support and he always just offered incredible advice and it didn't hurt that he was just so technically smart too. Um, I really got lucky being paired with him <laughs> as well as yeah. my manager right now. I mean, he also was in the, he played hockey. He's been in the tech space for a while. And I mean, he's more of like a lead by example. Like I just can tell that he's a very, um, like super, he was a super successful account executive wherever he's been. And I, I can just see that every day. If he hops on one of my calls and just starts talking with a prospect, like you can tell just how thorough he is. And it's like pretty motivating because you're like, I want to get to that point where I'm that good and I'm that comfortable in that role at any given moment. That's awesome. Like that. And, and that's all like that you can't ask for more than like having some people to look up to in that in your first job. Like I always tell, you know, we have candidates that are like, well, this one's 5K less, this one's 5K more, this one's hybrid, this one's remote, this one I have to go to the office, <laughs> this product does this, this product does that. I'm like, listen, for your first job, the most important thing is that you're going to be surrounded by people that you can learn from. And, and nothing, really nothing else matters. Because if you can spend 12 to 24 months surrounded by people that can teach you great habits and build a foundation for you, this career is limitless. So that's, you're so lucky that you got that with Clavio. That's amazing. Yeah, I am very lucky for sure. Unreal. Um, so you're, now that you're, you're kind of moving into your sales career, I always like to ask guests, like, you know, we, like you, we always had people on our teams that were like, Hey, I'm the best at, you know, personalizing an email. I'm the best at, qualifying. I'm the best at closing, talking about pricing. What are, what's, what are you starting to see 
that that skill that you've developed that's that's making you elite? Like, what do you think that one skill for you is as you're as you're uh, maturing in your sales career? I definitely think, um, like, through being a BDR in now, my biggest strength, which um, at one point may have been a weakness, but I think is a strength, is just my overall like volume and like pace. Like a lot of people have just told me like, you have such a large mo like motor, basically. I mean, I, the volume that I was pumping out every day as a BDR, like at one point I was told to just like slow down, um, because <laughs> it was, and that's just every, I mean, it doesn't always like activity doesn't matter if it's not actually qual, like it's not converting to meetings and to closing, but I always like, why not? You know, that you want to cast a wide net. I know that my, the quality of my, content's like pretty high. Why am I not getting it out as fast as I can? Like every single day, that's always been my biggest thing and, and sourcing at that pace too. So I'm always, I, I, no one really likes to source. I have this odd interest that I just enjoy sourcing and I'll like source for other teams. Like I'll just send it along. People know if they want to find accounts just to reach out to me. Um, <laughs> it's just like, I'll do it when I'm watching TV. Like, it's just bizarre. This is just like how I operate. Um, so like, those are two things that probably are my current strengths. Like one thing that I want to just be get better at is just like overall sales acumen. Like I'm good personally, like outside of work, like just kind of reading a room, you know, being personable. And it's like applying that more into just like a sales call and a sales role, like in a business element, like being just genuinely curious about someone's business goals and asking the right questions at the right time. That's something that I think I'm getting better at that has been like a current focus of mine um right now that that curiosity is a game changer like when you really develop that as a seller and you talk to people in a way where it's it's really sincere that you're trying to under you're seeking to understand you're you'll you'll notice it'll it'll click and selling becomes a lot easier because the the per the people that you're working with will open up to you because they know that you're actually trying to understand what they're trying to accomplish so that's awesome yeah um so this is the this is the last question. We ask everybody this question. So my father was a high school hockey coach. I mentioned it earlier for 35 years and I'm the oldest of three boys and when as as young as 8 years old, I remember my father saying, you know, JR, a lot of people play hockey, not a lot of people are hockey players. And he kind of like instilled in us kind of like honestly like being a pro even as a young person, right? Like taking everything seriously, being prepared, getting rest, eating right, you know, practicing, understanding the competition, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the highest, that we think the highest praise that you can give a salesperson is calling them a pro, right? So it's the same idea. There's a lot of people that sell software. There's not a lot of people that are software sales professionals. So I just would love to hear in your words, like what does being a pro in this industry mean to you? I think it's, honestly, it's the three things. I think it is A, that like being genuinely curious, like that's always one of our top things. That's, it's, you just, it's a natural um, like skill to have. And that is really what makes a salesperson a pro paired with like being customer first. That's always what we say too. So putting the customer first, that's a huge thing. And it'll, you'll just naturally like get better at sales. And that is what makes you a pro. And then thirdly, which is my most important, if you just have this in itself, like I would consider you a pro is like sales is all about performance, you know, hitting your number overperforming. But 
for me, the pros are the ones who do that naturally, but then also make the, like they elevate the performance of those around them. Um, just by always like they, they're always being curious and learning, but then they're applying that to their, their peers. And I'm just thinking of like a few specific examples of people at my company right now, like those people that I consider pros and the qualities that they show every single day. And that's really what it is. Like they're always trying to make our company better, make the industry better by using everything they've learned from being genuinely curious and sharing it with everyone else. So everyone gets better. So awesome. Great answer. I love that. Haley, this was a great conversation. It was great. Thank you so much for giving us some time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. Absolutely. Good luck on your journey as an AE and uh, (laughs) we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. This wraps up this episode of Merchants of Change. If you enjoyed this episode, the most meaningful way to say thanks is to submit a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in working with us, please come find us at www.shiftgroup.io.